1: Hello nerds and welcome to the Engadget Podcast. This is episode 35, TV Party. Uh, I am your host, Terrence O'Brien. I am joined this week by Dana Woolman. How are you?
2: I am doing fantastic. How about you?
1: I'm doing alright, you know. Uh, I I made the mistake of listening to a very depressing album uh, before I came on air, which I'll talk about a little bit more later. Um, But yeah, I, I heard you did your homework last night. I did. You, you finally watched Jaws. Yeah. Which we're also going to talk about later. Yes. Which I'm super excited about. Um, we will eventually be joined by Chris Velasco. He is unfortunately stuck in traffic. Um, so when you do hear a third voice all of a sudden that you're very confused by, that, that's going to be Chris Velasco. And uh, he's going to be a very important part of this show because we're going to talk all about the new iPad later. Uh, and he is the one who wrote the review. So nobody is better qualified to talk about that than him. I was editing but, it yesterday.
2: Yeah. But, I mean, he's going to make sort of a Muppet-like appearance today. He's just going to pop out of nowhere, and that seems fitting.
1: Yeah. I Does Velasco make any appearances that aren't Muppet-like? No, he doesn't. No. That's just pretty much his, like, standard form, right? Yeah. Just vaguely Muppet-like. Um, but let's get right into it, because we are, unfortunately, a little tight for time today. Um, Big Boss is coming into the studio right after our podcast, so we kind of got a... Get things moving. Get out of here. Yeah. Um, so let's start with Flame wars, as we do every week. Uh, this is kind of where we debate some of the biggest stories of the week. And I wanted to talk a little bit about YouTube TV. So that's finally launched now, right? In New York, L.A., and San Francisco, Chicago, and Philadelphia.
2: And That is what we call a rollout. It's yes. The gun rolling out.
1: It'll eventually get to the rest of the... Uh, country, I guess, eventually at some point. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. But um, sort of the big question for me is considering the limited lineup of channels and all of the competition it faces in this uh, mm-hmm. market, all these like streaming live TV services, is it really a good value at $35 a month? So I think... Th- Let's start with what are the prices of, like, its sort of competitors. PlayStation View is, what, roughly the same price, I think, at least to start. They have much bigger variety of packages, though.
2: I have to check on PlayStation View. I think Sling costs less, doesn't it?
1: I think Sling starts cheaper but also can get more expensive. Mm-hmm. I think it's part of the problem is right now it looks like that YouTube TV is a very limited offering. They have, like, one really basic set of uh, offerings and one price point. Mm-hmm. and they're kind of hoping that either the software experience or the inclusion of YouTube Red is enough to really get their hooks in you.
2: Mm-hmm. Or even, I mean, just the brand recognition. But that's a strange thing because I don't think people think of Google or YouTube as a cable provider no. or an a cable alternative even.
1: So Did I'm trying you- I'm tr- trying to pull up the pricing for these other ones. Sorry, mm-hmm. this is penal <laughs> so this is a- So, yeah, the cheapest um, PlayStation View one starts at 30 bucks. The cheapest Sling one starts at 20. Mm -hmm. Um, The lineups have a lot of overlap between them. It's a lot of the same channels, but it does look like there's a bigger lineup of channels for the PlayStation View specifically. So for 30 bucks, it's 45-plus channels, um, including some stuff that you don't get from YouTube.
2: I don't use PlayStation View personally. I don't even have a PlayStation. But um, what you're saying matches everything I've heard about the View service, which is it might not be the one that comes to name first for a lot of people, um, but it is actually a good value in terms of what you get yeah. for the money.
1: I mean, so one of the big ones that seems to be missing on YouTube, and I may be wrong about this, so um, if I am, please feel free to tear me a new one in the comments, uh, which is Comedy Central. That,
2: that stuck out to me also.
1: Yeah, and that's like kind of a really big one I feel like, and I I know it's part of Sling TV. I don't think it's part of the base package at least on PlayStation View. I'm kind of looking through all of these now. I probably should have done this before coming on the show, um, but I know the Viacom channels in particular have been sort of problematic. It seems they're they're stepping away from streaming. Uh, and that's a really big company, really big property could kind of be moving away from that stuff. I know they took all of their stuff off of Hulu. Like, you can't watch The Daily Show on Hulu anymore, which is kind of a big deal.
2: Oh, it's going to piss off a lot of people.
1: I mean, uh, it's one of the only reasons I have a Hulu subscription. Like, I'm legitimately considering canceling it because of that. Because I think the l- only show now at this point I watch on Hulu, the only purpose it serves for me, is uh, Last Man on Earth. And once that show is done, I don't know what I would have that for. Do you even have TV at all? Do you have anything, or are you? What?
2: Uh, <laughs> How do you think I streamed the um the thing last night?
1: Well, you have Netflix. Yeah. I assume.
2: Oh, I see. I have it. have a TV. I have a Roku stick in the TV, and I have subscriptions to Netflix and Amazon Prime.
1: Okay. So, but you don't have any live TV stuff. You are a fellow a cord cutter.
2: I, yeah, I'm a. I'm a. Uh, no, I have a cable box with DVR and everything.
1: Oh, so you you are like you're you're old school. You've, you you've got the TV I'm thing. I'm not
2: a cord cutter. No, I'm and I'm not this is a bigger picture conversation. I'm not sold on the economics of it right now. And I think what we're talking about here kind of underscores that, right? Yeah. Um that for $35 a month, I would still need to cobble together some other services to get all the content I want.
1: Yep. So I will say the one thing that uh, YouTube has that kind of appeals to me, and I haven't really seen this on other, cha- on other services yet, is they actually do offer local sports. So in addition to having, like, the networks, they also have, um, what is it, it's NBC's local sports channels. So if you live in New England and stuff, you can watch Red Sox games streamed because they have that, uh, provider, um, I think it's...
2: And wouldn't be on the MLB account if your yeah. MLB account was tied to that region.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. that is one I know of you have strong <laughs> feelings about that. Makes me twitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, our archaic media system that just... make. It, 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 they, I'm not meant to watch Mets games, apparently. That's just how it <laughs> is. Can listen to them, but I can't watch them. See, like, that's kind of a big deal though and I'm kind of amazed that uh, people aren't making a bigger deal of it Uh, that's like been the one place where a lot of these sort of streaming services and a lot of cord cutters have suffered is live sports you know even if you have an HBO Now account if you pay your $15 you can't watch pay-per-view HBO Boxing even if you pay extra for it you have to have cable TV you have to have access to traditional pay-per-view service um and that's kind of a, a deal breaker for a lot of people.
2: But are we saying this is maybe one of the few advantages of YouTube TV over its competition?
1: I think so. I, and I, I think it's uh, you know something that hasn't been made a big enough deal of, honestly. Um, we'll see how it plays out. Um, it's not enough for me, because it doesn't have New York local sports things. Because mm-hmm. um, it's, it's only the... And it probably never will, unfortunately. Because it's just the CBS ones. So, again, I'd... I can't find it uh, in front of me, but they have. If you're a Red Sox fan, you can watch those. I think Philly is on the same network, so I think if you're a Phillies fan, you can still watch. You can watch those. Um, I'm willing to bet one of the Chicago teams is as well. Uh, I don't know about San Francisco, but they don't have the New York ones. And part of the reason they don't have the New York ones, and they probably never will, is those are partially owned by pay TV providers. So, the Mets are delivered by SNY, which is partially owned by Verizon, and the Yankees are on Yes, which I believe is partially owned by Time Warner, Comcast, whatever the hell it is now. Um, so, those are just never going to come, and which is probably means I'm never going to buy any of these subscription services.
2: Okay. So, local New York sports broadcasting is basically owned by a crew of different mafias that have divided up yes. the region. And those mafias are corporations. Yep. Yeah. Okay.
1: They have they they. It's, that's how they lure you into it. So they want you to buy their TV thing. Um, so I mean, if you're if you live in Boston and you're looking to cut the cord and you're a Red Sox fan, the thirty five dollars a month for YouTube might not be a bad deal. It's probably offers you a little bit more value than um, PlayStation or Sling. At least as a sports fan. Outside of that, I'm not really sold on the value proposition here, especially because. I don't know. YouTube Red is kind of garbage. <laughs> Have you watched any YouTube Red programming?
2: Um, not much.
1: No. Uh, I I watched um, is it Game Lab Matt Pat, who is like uh, one of these YouTube guys, and he did basically MythBusters for video games. Um, it was all right. Um,
2: MythBusters for video games. Yeah, it's a weird concept.
1: It is sort of a weird concept. Uh, so I've watched that. That was. And I forget the name of the show, but the guy who does Vsauce has another. They're really into their, like, Mythbusters ripoff shows at YouTube because it's the same sort of thing. It's another, like, oh, we're going to do, like, try and play out thought experiment kind of stuff in the real world and do Mythbustery things. It's, again, it's all right. Vsauce is a cool channel, but I don't know if it plays out for a full (laughs) half hour, like, properly produced TV show. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. YouTube TV. It's an interesting thing. Not sold on it, but I'm not sold on any of these yet. And Clearly you're not because you're still paying Comcast or Verizon or whoever. Um, I don't even want to know how much it costs.
2: It's not that bad.
1: No? Is it Verizon? Is that why? No. No? Okay.
2: I'm on Time Warner.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. They are my, they are my mortal enemy. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a topic for another day. Um, let's move on, though. And talk Netflix. More TV. Yes. Um, they decided to abandon their traditional five-star rating system mm-hmm. and go for a simple thumbs up and thumbs down. Uh, what was their reasoning behind this? Can you talk us through that a little bit?
2: Right. So we th- they had um, the five-star rating system, and apparently people were mostly um, landing somewhere on Either pole of that spectrum, um, give it one star or five stars. People, uh, but weren't really giving nuanced ratings. And in experiments, Netflix found that um, basically, in moving to a pass/fail model—thumbs up or thumbs down—they um, got more ratings, which is ultimately what Netflix is after: just a bigger volume of feedback. Um, and I have to say, so we we went with the headline: um, Netflix's overly simplified ratings are here. Um, behind the scenes, I lost a battle on you that headline. Did. I was in a minority of people who um, didn't like that headline. I don't think they're overly simplified. I think it makes sense, um, but I'm curious to hear why you would have preferred um, a five star system.
1: Because I, I see nuance in it. I, I, for me, movies and television shows are not simply a, a, an "I like it" or "I dislike it" proposition. Um, and I appreciate the sort of granular control over my tastes. You know, I love Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy <laughs> is a great movie. But objectively, Tommy Boy is not a great movie. And I don't want to give Tommy Boy five stars just because I love it so much based partially on like my, my nostalgia for it. Because I know that if I give Tommy Boy five stars, then I'm going to have to deal with Netflix recommending me a whole bunch of garbage SNL movies I have no interest in. Like, I don't want Night at the Roxbury to show up in my queue. (laughs) Like, I have no interest in watching that movie. So that, like, finer grain control being able to say, like, no, it's a three, because I like it, I enjoy this movie. Don't don't not resurface it if it comes off of Netflix and comes back. Like, I want to watch it again, sure but don't necessarily recommend me everything that SNL has ever made a movie out of.
2: Well, so, I mean, that partially um, answers the question I would have had, which is, who are these ratings for? Are they for you, or or then what? Um, I mean, for me, I once tried to use the five-star system in my iTunes library. I gave up on that real quick. <laughs> um, but that was really just for me, right? Um the Netflix ratings, um, I also never really had the patience for that either, but you're saying you're invested in it because you believe in Netflix's algorithm and to some extent depend on it for your recommendations. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I think that there's, there's value in bu- building nuance there. Um, I am an avid, oh, hey, look who's here, guys. Just come on in.
3: Hey. Hey. Hey, guys. Hey. How is it going?
1: Hey. So we're talking Netflix. Thumbs up, thumbs down, the Death of the Five star rating. I'm a big fan. You're a big fan? Yeah. By the way, welcome, Chris Velasco.
3: Hi, I just got here. I'm Chris Velasco, senior mobile editor, and uh, New Jersey is the worst state. Yeah, I mean...
2: We could have told you that.
3: Yeah. Terrence has told me that. They have. If you ever get the chance to drag it out of him, get like the hot air balloon festival story <laughs> out of this guy, It's incredible.
1: <laughs> The Hot Air Balloon Festival was perhaps one of the worst experiences of my life. Didn't you almost get into a fight? Multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm an impressive person that I can almost get into multiple fist fights in a parking lot so at a Hot Air Balloon just, Festival. Just,
3: I mean, we're going off on a crazy tangent, but just let me make sure I've got this straight. You almost got in a fight in a parking lot, got back in your car, presumably cooled off a little bit, and then repeated the process multiple times. Twice. That's, that's still not a great look.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, mean right. to be fair, I spent more time in my car trying to get out of the parking lot than I did at the festival itself.
3: Or probably getting home for that matter.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so we were talking about the value of having a nuanced rating system for uh, movies and TV. The five star versus thumbs up, thumbs down. You're on the side with Dana. You think the thumbs up, thumbs down is good? Oh, for sure. I mean, so I cannot begin to tell you the
3: number of times I've sat down, thrown something random up on Netflix that I absolutely love, and just to see the star rating, it's like, it's they're typically like one and a half. It's like, I like really trashy stuff. I keep okay. hoping Netflix kind of picks up on that, but it never really does. So for, to take the sort of subjective quality out of it and just be able to say, hey, this is a good thing. Like, you will probably, you're more likely than not, you will enjoy this thing. That's kind of what I'm after. Like, I don't really need to know where it falls on a spectrum for the entirety of Netflix users. I think once it kind of gets an understanding for what we as people enjoy, it's so much easier just to say, hey, yeah, go for it.
2: And so that's the thing, right? Netflix's algorithm is their secret sauce. I'm sure a lot of R&D and money and time and resources have gone into that.
3: Right. Remember Netflix Prize?
2: Yeah, I yeah. do. And, you know, they're not going to obviously share their secret sauce with us, but I have confidence that it goes beyond just um, – the number of stars given. I'm sure it incorporates your hit recent and mm-hmm. overall history of what you've listed, what, what you've streamed, and also how much time you've spent. Um, you know, like Scandal isn't good, right? And I could—I've I've never, never watched it. it so <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> scandal sucks, but I'll watch. I'll binge watch it, and so that might be the more important stat, right? Not what I say I think of it, but the fact that I spend a lot of time watching it. And I'm sure Netflix has data on all this stuff.
1: See, here's, here's my question is, is that more important and more valuable to you or more important and more valuable to Netflix? Because I feel like it's more important and more valuable to Netflix it than is, to you.
2: But if they use that for their recommendation engine that you're using, that's good for you also.
1: Um, I don't know. We, we, we do have to kind of move on, unfortunately, because we're running out of time. But I will say this before we go. Even with the Star system, my recommendations are trash Do you let
3: other people use your Netflix
1: account? Not anymore. What about your wife? She used to. But that's not why my recommendations are trash. Okay. So I happen to watch uh, a lot of educational programming because I'm a nerd. Fair. Um, So, like, I've watched Cosmos probably three or four dozen times Mm -hmm. because it's whatever. Um, And I watch, like, a lot of, like, documentaries and educational programs about, like, space and technology. I have watched every episode of Nova that is on Netflix, like, (laughs) multiple times. So for whatever reason, Netflix now just thinks I like, quote, science and technology documentaries, period. And that includes lots of garbage about, like, conspiracy theories and, like, spiritual, like...
3: Yeah, but in fairness, those are... I I wonder if Netflix is looking at what you're into and thinking, thinking, quote, unquote, hey, this is a very intelligent rational guy. Let's throw him some
1: weird shit that he's just going to find hilarious. Yeah. So, but, like... Even with the five-star system, it's really not always that good with the recommendations. I'm really concerned about what just simple thumbs-up, thumbs-down is going to do.
2: And really, adolescent Terrence just wants people to understand him.
1: Yes, I just, <laughs> I just want people to understand me. I just, I just don't want 9-11 truther documentary showing up in my recommended viewing. <laughs> it's important to understand
3: how some people think. I don't believe the words that I just said, but they sounded fairly good.
1: <laughs> um... Let's move on, though, to group chat and the whole reason you're here, Crest Velasco. We're
3: going to talk about iPads. iPads. I, well, iPad singular. There iPad. Is, there is just one new iPad. Yes. It's not the most exciting iPad. It is not. But it is, if nothing else, an iPad. And it's probably going to do really well just because <laughs> of that.
1: Well, I mean, it's not like the bar uh, for is really low there. Like, it's not like we've ever seen, like, a super underperforming iPad. Yeah, Apple makes an iPad, it sells a shit ton of them. Exactly. It always does.
3: And like that has caused some level of consternation in like the Apple fan community, because this is one of the few times Apple has really kind of conceded and built something that very much feels like a mass market device. Like, hey, it starts at 329 It's a little thicker. Like You can kind of tell they made compromises to get this thing's price point down to where it is. And some people are interpreting this as a race to the bottom is a phrase that I've seen several times. And I'm just like, guys... Ta- like iPad sales aren't great. Tablet sales aren't great. Like they, they need to make some money. They're still going to make good iPads. Yeah. This isn't a bad thing. Like, what is the problem?
1: There's room in the market for a premium product and like a mainstream product, yeah.
3: right? I'd also say there's room in the market for like an unabashedly good, inexpensive tablet. And I got to tell you, when I was writing a review, which by the time you see this has been published already, I have not, like, I struggled so hard to come up with like alternatives you could go for in that price range. Like, the Galaxy Tab S2 was pretty good, but it is fairly old at this point. You could do an S3, but that's going to be probably twice as much as this iPad is going to cost. Like all of the really high-performing stuff that that feels on some level on par with this mm-hmm. cheapo iPad is 100-200 bucks more expensive. Like that's kind of a big deal for Apple.
1: I I guess part of the question here for me is you know, they've made this mass market device but in general, tablet sales have been slipping. Is this going to be enough to kind of bring – and iPad has not been immune to that. Right. Apple has – Certainly not. Uh, their sales have at least plateaued, if not started to drop a little bit.
3: I think we've seen them – iPad sales have dipped. With, not as much
1: as the rest of the market.
3: Right, but with – with to some, an alarming degree of, like, regularity over the
1: past few quarters. Like, yeah. it's
3: it's kind of a thing.
1: So is this going to be the sort of thing that can kind of at least – stem the bleeding, if not uh, cause sales to tick back up, do you think? I
3: think in the short term it's gonna be I mean it's gonna be a positive for a while. If only because think of all the people who bought into the original iPad, they bought into the iPad 2. Like they have these old devices and you know what? Like they still mostly work. Like you can still use them to read and gadget or whatever. Like they're still mostly functional things. It's just that iOS as a platform has grown by leaps and bounds since those days. So a lot of the people out there are working with, in a lot of ways, a degraded experience. So by by being able to offer this very clear upgrade path, like, hey, if you've got an old, ancient iPad that is starting to not work so great, yeah, here's here the thing, for $300, that's actually really quite good. It's got an iPhone 6S's brain. It has the screen, more or less, uh, from the iPad Air 2, just not laminated, so it's not quite as thin. It's not, it's not like the iPad Air 3, like a lot of us wanted or expected, but it's a very good machine, and it's a very clear path for people who on some level have been left behind by Apple
1: do either of you still actually use a tablet oh my god yeah Dana no no okay Um, but did you ever
2: I did um, I did briefly I gave it my best shot Mm -hmm. Um, I've sort of reverted to my old old ways Um, I mean the app that I liked best when I was using a tablet were digital magazines Mm -hmm. Um, we
3: had one of those
1: yeah we did
2: which I it came comes in really handy for business trips, which I don't even take many of anymore. But um <laughs> I, I still have a romance with my paper magazines. And sure. otherwise my phone is is great for what I need it to do.
3: Well I feel like that's kind of the issue Apple has had to kind of wrap its head around. Like big phones are a thing. Yeah. They in a lot of ways supplanted small tablets, so I, I would be shocked if we saw another iPad Mini after this one. So yeah. we're still working with like the Mini 4 that came out like a year-ish, maybe two ago. Uh, so that's, I feel like that's probably gonna go the way of the iPad Air 2 and just sort of get cut completely because, I mean, if you want that big but not huge screen, just get like an iPhone 7 Plus, you've got one device that covers all your bases. Yep. But I still, like I, more often than not, I commute in on a train to the office and in situations like that where like holding a phone for like an hour, hour and a half gets a little, a little tedious and I really don't wanna pull out my laptop and like fire up a hotspot to just like bang out emails and stuff like situations like that, a, a full size 9.7 inch iPad or insert tablet here is perfect. Like I'd rather just sit there and read what I'm going to read and I'd still have the flexibility to like swipe open and open a new window and like bang off an email or a text message. Like it's phenomenally helpful for me at least.
1: I guess, I don't know. I, I abandoned the tablets kind of uh, when the smaller tablets died. Like, as we got bigger phones, I had a Nexus 7 that I loved. Um, and mm-hmm. as that got a little bit long in the tooth, I had the Nexus 9, uh, our review unit for a while. Oh, boy. Which is boy. hot garbage.
3: Nexus 9. That thing was... I think that was the first, uh, like, big review I did here. Possibly. It, I was not, it was not great. No, it wasn't it was, a great foot to start off on.
1: It is, it was not, it's not a great device. <laughs> um, but what I kind of realized is, I'm like you, Dana. I missed the magazines, which is mostly what I use my Nexus 7 for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, I pay for digital magazine subscriptions that I straight up just don't read, which is really dumb. Like, I have a subscription to Wired and GQ, and I don't read either of them because I don't have anything that's really, like enjoyable to enjoy the design on anymore. Do you so.
2: remember we talked about digital cleansing a few yeah, podcasts Yeah, I should really cancel those. You, you might be time for you to do some sort of audit and just like
1: yeah, no, no. find it's, all it's
2: the stuff that you're still <laughs> paying for that you should I think those,
1: those are two that I can probably pretty safely cancel. I'm sure I haven't read a, an issue of either of those in at least six months. But I mean, I paid for the year, so <laughs> might as well just let it ride out at this point. Um that's like the only thing though that like holds any appeal for me on a tablet like I don't know I can do most of the stuff from a phone
3: yeah and, and that will continue to be the, the case for most people but having the option where you could fairly inexpensively like move up into this thing that I don't know for some people very ably bridges the gap between yeah. phone and more dedicated machine like I, I I've definitely been able to spend entire like not fully like vacation weeks. Where I would just like leave my laptop at home and just have an iPad and and get really everything I needed to get done. So yeah. I don't think the the capability of these devices is not really in question. It's just the the larger sort of context in which they fit, like isn't there for a lot of people. Yeah. But by giving people this this cheapo option that works pretty well, I think Apple's doing a really good job of capturing anyone who feels like they do have that context in their lives somewhere.
1: Well, I think that's actually probably one of the strongest things going for it is, you know, I think part of the reason the market kind of tanked for tablets probably is with the death of the smaller form factor, Mm. uh, prices for obvious reasons went up. Right. And a $200 Nexus 7 is a much easier sell than a $600 uh, 10-inch iPad. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's a much different investment of money. It's a much easier thing to just say, hey, this one's like – it's not like an impulse purchase, but you're not going to like have to talk it over with your significant yeah, other before dropping any money still on it. It's more <laughs> of an impulse purchase. Like you could
3: feel a lot better about
1: I mean maybe not better, but 329 is still a lot of money to drop.
3: Yeah, but uh, I mean compared to some of the other options out there. I mean the the thing that a lot of iPad nerds are really kind of upset about is because in order to get that really slim sleek design that we got with the Air 2, you have to now pay extra money for an iPad Pro. Like you have to go with a 9.7-inch iPad Pro, like there isn't a clear jump up for them, and like I get it, that really sucks. Like I'm sorry, guys, but like companies like Samsung have jumped on this too. Like you could get last year's or two years ago, I think, now the Galaxy Tab S2, which is a fine tablet, or now the Tab S3, which is a great tablet that costs $600. Like, yeah, tablets have assumed now since we've seen the market for lower and and smaller ones kind of fall off a bit. They've moved up into this sort of like prestige class where you feel like that's where you have to compete. And that's going to be really difficult for a lot of people to to sort of like throw money at.
1: Um, I know that you talked a little bit about how it's thicker and all of that. And that's been one of the sort of the complaints about it, it seems. But it did allow them to stick a bigger battery in it, though, right? It did.
3: It did. So that is the, the biggest upshot. And to be clear... It not only has a bigger battery than the iPad Air 2, which was really small. Like, it was 27 watt hours. It was less than ideal. It was It's actually even bigger than the original iPad Air, which is the body this thing is modeled on. So it's actually better than the thing that – than what we got, like, God, four or five years ago?
2: I have no idea. I mean, it's – Time it should, means
3: nothing. Exactly. it shouldn't <laughs> be surprised that this battery is better, but there are some upsides to it. So, so all those people out there chanting thinner is better, like – come on, dial it down a little bit. Like, yeah. there's
1: there's reasons this works okay. I would, I would gladly sacrifice a few millimeters just to, like, get a couple of extra hours of battery life.
3: Yeah, I've said that for a really long time, mostly with regard to phones, and I didn't really see that coming with this iPad. But, yeah, really pleasant surprise. Like, it's not any more difficult or more like onerous to hold for an hour while you're reading a book. Like, yeah. It's fine. Guys, relax.
1: And so many of you people out there survived with the original iPad Air for which, Yeah, which so weighed long. like five pounds. You thought it was like a marvel of engineering at the time. <laughs> Maybe you should kind of chill out a it's little bit. It's not actually five pounds. Please don't out <laughs> on that. Um, we are running out of time, though. So it is time to get to the wind down. Mm. And, you know, suggest the readers, viewers, listeners kind of go check out a thing. Watch a thing, listen to a thing, read a thing do a thing. Are you, are you asking me to start because you're looking at me I'm right looking now. at you. Do you, ha- do you have something to recommend? <laughs> I, do, I, I do have a
3: thing. And it's really, so there's a bit of a backstory involved with this. So I went to Mobile World Congress two years ago, and I don't know that this is actually a sanctioned thing, but I do this like, take a book, leave a book thing because you get lots of people from different locales kind of rolling in and leaving their stuff behind. So I left some lousy, I think it was, it wasn't lousy, it was like a Raymond Chandler novel, but like not one of those great ones. And I took this book off the shelf called The Dark Side of Love, by Rafik Shami. It's originally uh, a German novel that was translated into English a few years back. And it's just, it's not my usual thing, but it's just fascinating. Like, it, it, Chronicles the intertwining lives of two prestigious Middle Eastern families, and like on the outside, it feels like this Romeo and Juliet thing. But oh, there's like a murder mystery. Some guy's body was found in a basket above a cathedral, and then you jump back like forty years to figure out like oh, well the clans start off as like feuding goat herders and stuff. Like it's frankly incredible. It feels <laughs> like six books in one. I'm like halfway through it. I've been reading this thing for like two years. Uh, so if you have <laughs> if you have time in your life to invest, like I feel like this is really is worth it a
2: really it. long book?
3: It's yeah, it's it's like Bible size. Okay. Oh god,
1: yeah. Okay. Um, it's gonna be uh, if I pick it up, it's gonna be like um, Wilderness Warrior, which I think I'm three quarters of the way through. Seven years what, in. What is Wilderness Warrior? It's a biography of uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, okay. Well, I'm in for that actually. It's super interesting, but it's just, like, really dense. It's, like, 900 pages. It's, like, the tiniest (laughs) of type. It's also, like, I have it in hardcover, so it's impossible to carry around with you. I chip away at it. Um, Before we get to Dana, because she's kind of got the big one for the week, as she's going to have every week for the wind down. She's getting homework assignments. Uh, I'm going to recommend that people go listen to the new Mount Erie album, A Crow Looked at Me. Um, If you're not familiar with Mount Erie, the, it's a uh, musician. His name is... Uh, why is it escaping me for the moment? Uh, Phil Elverum. He's, his former band was The Microphones, were also awesome. Um, but the new album, the new Mount album, is really beautiful, really depressing. Um, so I would make sure that you are by yourself or don't have anything important to do when you give a listen to it. Uh, it's all about the death of his wife, God. So it's super heavy. Um, I put it on this morning without really thinking about it and like legitimately started welling up with tears while listening to it at my desk. <laughs> Wait, I, did, I don't mean to laugh at your pain, but did you was this morning the first time you listened to this? album? It was. <laughs> <laughs> I had, been, I, had kn- I knew that it was going to be like a heavy thing. And I'd kind of been like, I don't know if I can do it right now. Mm-hmm. Um there's a lot of things that I'm like, I really should need should need to wa- like watch this or listen to it. And I'm like, God, it's going to be really heavy, though, and I don't know if, it, if I have it in me, so I just put the Migos album on again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my solution. Just, I'll listen to T-Shirt on repeat and be a happy man. Uh, so I finally put it on this morning. And it is everybody's as good as everybody says it is. It's a really gorgeous album, uh, but it is really super, super depressing. Uh, the second track is all about um, him bringing his one-year-old... Child to the site where they were going to build their house and spreading her ashes. Yeah, it's like, like I can't even listen to it's, this right it's now. It's rough, um, but yeah, really beautiful album. Should definitely check it out, uh, especially if you like feeling miserable <laughs> and depressed.
3: I live in New Jersey, so like I choose that state for myself anyway.
1: Yeah, so it's <laughs> so perfect. Done, Dana. Though, yeah, you did your homework this week.
2: I did. You watched. Jaws. I should have done it sooner.
1: You should have. You watched Jaws last night. Live yes. tweeted Jaws last night. Yes. Which also made me super happy. Um,
2: it was a scary movie.
1: <laughs> Everybody should, by the way, go read Dana's um
2: tweet seventeen storm, part yeah. Tweet Storm.
1: Which is spectacular. Um but let's let's start. What did you think of the movie?
2: I liked it a lot and um I liked it more than I thought I would. I mean, I never thought Jaws would be my kind of movie. Um, I liked it a lot, and Davinder, who's not here, had um, warned me against watching it after Jurassic Park, as if to say that I'd be let down and wouldn't like Jaws as much. But I feel Disagree. the opposite. Um, this was a, a better movie I Spielberg agree. than Jurassic Park. I know I called Jurassic Park generic, and you got mad.
1: Yes, because it's not generic. It's a very good movie. But Jaws is... Objectively and subjectively, a much better film.
2: It was, yeah. I mean,
1: um. Personally, I'd probably argue that it's his best film. And St- Spielberg has a lot of, of very good movies.
2: Yeah.
3: I've never seen Jaws or probably most Spielberg. Like, I've never seen E.T. That was Spielberg, right? Yeah. What? You've never
2: seen E.T.? No. Can, can you uh, give him homework? For I, the think next I've,
3: time? I, th- I think I've seen maybe half of like an Indiana Jones.
2: Can he get some homework? Why does he? Yeah, what, what?
3: Well, I feel like your homework to me is to, to listen to more Bruce Springsteen.
1: That's, I mean, that's my homework to you <laughs> literally
3: every no, day. No, I think ET
2: takes priority and in Indiana Jones.
1: Uh, I don't agree with you on that one for so many reasons. I heard uh, Crystal Skull's pretty good. God, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why she's... Because I guess she go in reverse first chronological order, right? I mean, they will get progressively better. I mean, no, there's... actually, they won't, because Temple of Doom is pretty bad, actually. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so what surprised me about Jaws, though, is I know that it was made 42 years ago, and... God, it hasn't so been that long. So these animatronic sharks, which I read m- were mostly malfunctioning during production, which is partly why Spielberg didn't show the sharks, but I think that made for a more suspenseful movie... Um, but when when the animatronic sharks did rear their heads, they're still scary.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's
2: they're old and low tech. But I mean, I mean, you can't hear it on Twitter. I you I captured it the best I could, but I did gasp out loud by myself <laughs> a few times at, during the movie in a way that I didn't expect to, given just how old it is and how um, crude, relatively speaking, the effects were.
1: Well, I mean, I think. The, the ability of Jaws to til- still kind of scare you and build that suspense speaks to the power of, like, practical movie effects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is one of the things that I think Jurassic Park does really well. And one of the reasons why that movie ages so well is that there's a really good blend of practical effects and really top-notch, especially for the time, computer animation. But there's this physicality to, like, having an animatronic shark biting the bottom of the boat as opposed to relying on computer graphics for everything. I
2: mean, it was more than that here. It was the music, and it was the camera angles. Um,
1: I mean, it is, to be clear, an expertly directed film yeah. from top to bottom. I started
2: to have a Pavlovian response every time I heard the theme music. Dun, dun. It's like, oh, shit, dun, what now?
3: <laughs> so you realize we're going to play that just around the office around you now, right?
2: Um,
1: We're going to get them to play it over the speakers at
3: 530.
2: Yep. <laughs>
1: Just so everybody it's knows. It's not going to go well. At 5.30 in the afternoon at the office, they play music over the loudspeakers for some reason that we can't quite figure out, nor do we know who has control over it.
2: I actually do know. Oh, do you know? Yeah.
1: Are so, we allowed to can, I'm gonna, I'm share gonna re- that information? I'm going to request the JAWS theme <laughs> for I'm gonna today. I'm going to file a
3: FOIA request to you so I can find <laughs> out who I have to talk to about this.
1: So I'm, I'm glad you, you watched it. You finally now also understand the we're going to need a bigger boat reference.
2: They never got a bigger boat. (laughs) (laughs) Idiots.
3: Wait, would that have changed anything? Because I don't know how this movie ends. (laughs) Probably. Okay, (laughs) good to know. I'll keep that in mind. Uh,
2: Okay, so you need to watch, um, you should watch Jaws. Skull,
1: and then...
3: E.T.
2: Start with E.T. Just watch E.T. Okay. What am I watching next?
1: That is a good question. So... We've given you a pair of Spielberg films at this point, kind of like monster movies. Um, Jaws really being a perfect kind of genre film. Um, I don't know. See, this is the thing. We should have had this conversation before we came on, and we did not. Have you seen... You've seen all the Indiana Jones movies. Let's move away from Spielberg, though. Should we give her something, like, arty and weird? Well, Should so we go pop culture? Here's my question. Are you exclusively trying to give Dana
3: good things to watch? Um Or is, like, yes. or is, like so bad it's good
1: also possible? I mean, if it's a um, really, like, a cultural touchstone kind of thing, huh. so bad it's good. Huh.
2: Give me like good a, stuff.
1: Like, I'd say, like, Plan 9 from Outer Space is, like, a cultural touchstone. Sure. But it's also a terrible
3: movie. I was going to throw out Troll Two, which is objectively awful, but the greatest, the greatest film I've ever seen (laughs) in my
1: life. Troll Two is amazing, so good. But here's what I'd say: is if you watch Troll Two, you also need to watch the documentary, The Best Worst Movie. Yes, in Uh, which,
3: in which the mom it's revealed, kind of went a little crazy.
1: Yeah. After this movie, Um, I don't know. You feel? Are you feeling something super dumb and ridiculous, but also like? a sort of cult classic thing?
2: Um, no.
1: <laughs> well, let's, let's go cult classic. Have you seen Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yes. Okay, so that's okay. Not that I'm necessarily a huge fan, but I, I was thinking it. cult classics.
2: I watch Little Shop of Horrors. Wait,
1: you you've never seen
3: Little Shop of Horrors?
1: Okay, there we go. That's Dana's homework is watch Little Shop of Horrors. I'm going to give you extra credit homework, though. No. Yes.
2: No. Can we
3: film you singing it using the new Clips app? <laughs> No. That I've used <laughs> to capture
1: you talking about your ZD. ziti. Um, which isn't the thing. For extra credit, after you watch the movie, find the original ending and watch that as well. Uh, easily found on YouTube, but watch the original ending, which is uh, the ending from the play, but they decided it was too dark for the film, and so they changed it. The original ending, I argue, is a much better way to have gone. So...
3: Can I clarify something? Were there not two? Like, wasn't there another earlier Little Shop of Horrors with, like, Jack Nicholson in it?
1: Yes. Which is also very good. But but that's not what we're going to That's not it. what we're watching. That is not, that is not the cultural touchstone. <laughs> it's a very good movie. But it is not uh, right, Rick fine. Moranis. Fine. fine. So, yeah. Go watch Little Shop of Horrors for next week. Dig up the original ending on YouTube. Uh, we will reconvene next week to discuss it. Uh... Any last thoughts before you close this one out? Nope. No? All Dana, right. how, was, how was your dinner?
2: It was great. Yeah? Cooked it myself.
3: Baked ziti with bits of chicken, sausage, and mozzarella sprinkled in. I don't know why I've memorized that, but that's, it's lodged in there, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> she hasn't brought in uh, scones again yet.
3: I Dana should. hasn't brought in
1: anything in I a know. while, actually. You're going to have to make scones. All right, we need to wrap this up yeah, and right. browbeat Dana into making it. <laughs> and Dana stone. needs to
2: go back to the kitchen, I yeah.
1: know. Uh, Dana, <laughs> where can the fine people find you on the internet?
2: I am at Dana Wallman on Twitter, and as you can see, sometimes I rant about movies I am in the process of watching.
3: Chris? Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Velasco. Velasco spelled V is in Victor, E-L-A-Z is in Zebra, C-O. It's pretty good, I like
1: that. I've, my entire life, I've been using that. <laughs> I am at Terrence O'Brien. Lots of E's, no A's. Please uh, send us your feedback, your criticisms, your questions, whatever. We want to hear from you guys. Uh, You can also hit up uh, the podcast on Twitter. It's at Engadget Podcast, or you can email us at podcast at Engadget.com. We will be back next week. In the meantime, subscribe, rate, do a thing in your podcast. Yeah,
2: do that. All right, let's go.